in in that movie she says um do you ever think that you're uh do you ever know that you're not it's something to do with being not as smart as everyone else but then thinking that you're smarter than everyone else right and i was like i was i was watching this movie and i was like damn like that's just so true to life like where you just feel like everyone else is <laughs> stupid but really everyone feels that way right mm-hmm. or I, there comes moments of despair where you're just like why can't everyone be like me or, or you know that kind of thing so this film I, I didn't like it the first time I saw it because no, don't say that I didn't really like it the first time I saw it because I would first of all fine art fine art fine art fine art fine art fine art Art cinema, fart cinema, fart cinema, fart cinema, fart cinema, fart for Ghost World, Art School Confidential, um, Mistress America Maybe, uh, that's it, that's all there is. What about in Bruges? You spoil that. Oh yeah, yeah, in Bruges as well. The Art Cinema Fart Cinema team would like to acknowledge an error which is made. The screenplay for Ghost World was written by Daniel Klaus and Terry Zweigoff, not Daniel Klaus by himself. Oh, your worthless... Uh, what is it? Your worthless degree? Your worthless... I have, I have a worthless degree. That might be why I've chosen these films. Mm. You know, It's not because they're terrible either, so that's another thing that's going to cause argument. Why, why is art cinema fart cinema? Mm. The renowned team of... Fart cinema watchers. Why are they watching films that you could argue are good? Why are we watching good movies? Yeah. Well, interesting thing because not all of us believes that these uh, two movies are good. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. And you know, I was saying that uh, I've, while I was at art college in the diner in the canteen, I've got all American. Oh, I'm going all Americanized. How's your cough? Uh, God, yeah, you, you nearly hit heard me hack away there. Sorry. Simon, Simon is the cold. Again, like he's yeah. at the call. It's for the same w- one. It's the same one. He's it's at the call for later. weeks. Uh, so, in memory of this uh, of this occasion, which is the uh, your worthless degree art college uh, episode, the bull <laughs> episode, the bull yeah. episode. I decided to buy Simon some kombucha, which is a uh, a fizzy a fizzy tea. Exclu- good. <laughs> exclusive to Sainsbury's. It's not a sponsor. I just. Here you go, Simon. All right, Enjoy right, this okay. kombucha. All right, I'm looking at this. <laughs> Who the f*** is Johnny Wilkinson? <laughs> is this like... He's got his signature on it and his photograph. And I Johnny don't know, Wilkinson? I don't Have know you not he heard is. of Johnny Wilkinson? No, who's this? He's, uh, he's an acclaimed uh, director of soft porn. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I would have known. <laughs> I would have known. <laughs> uh, no, no, he is... Uh, well, look, it says start living life from the inside out. If right. that doesn't sound like soft porn, what does? Uh, no, Johnny Wilkinson is a rugby player, and he has decided to br- grace Sainsbury's with a 44-calorie drink, which is unpasteurized and has gluten and dairy-free and vegan. Is it nice? It's all right. It's like it. <laughs> For sake, I was expecting you to find mm, it horrible. Mm. <laughs> ah, is it going to bring the pretentious out in me? Is this yeah. a thing that fizzy, think- fizzy vegan tea? Uh, listen, tea. Of course, it's vegan. 
Or am I being mm. really ignorant there? Anyway, number one kombucha. Just minging. I bought it on my break and I was like, Ugh. I thought I'd. Oh, did you have a taste of this as well? Yeah, Yeah, it's minging. I I actually, I've had bought all three varieties before and I, and I tried them all and they were. Is this the worst one or the they're best? They're extortionate and they're disgusting. And How much a whole steak? Did this cost a lot of money? It's £1.75, man. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, well, I don't know. If you spend 30p on something, it does taste worse than this, I'll Com- tell you that. Kombucha. It just tastes like fizzy dishwater. Not even fizzy dishwasher. Dishwater. It tastes like fizzy. <laughs> like pee water. Uh, I guess just pee then. Yeah. I quite like it. Anyway. I'm, I'm an unfussy person, but there you go. <laughs> I can't believe um, that. I'm good. I thought you'd be like. Ugh! It might. It might. It might cure me mm. in the course of the thing. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I was saying that in the canteen, that non-Americanized canteen rather than diner in mm. uh, art college. I just remember a conversation that went something along the lines of from a girl in my year, not the same. She wasn't a fine art student. She was a design student of some kind, mm. and. Uh, she just said Fargo was the worst film that she'd ever seen. And I was like, Heresy. Fa- Fargo? Like the Coen brothers? Masterpiece? Francis, Fargo. Francis McDormand, Pregnant in the Snow, Solving Murders. So That's good. the worst film ever. Right, okay, fine. <laughs> she clearly hasn't seen The Hottie and the Naughty. Mm-hmm. She, well, even if she'd... You know, honestly, even Robin Hood, Prince of <laughs> Thieves is worse than Fargo. And everyone had seen that. You could pick any movie in the cinema right now and it would be worse than Fargo. Mm. She really didn't like it. Wow. Whatever. So yeah, so there's no accounting for taste, all that. You know, one man's masterpiece is another man's Howard the Duck. I I always (laughs) like that saying because it infers that Howard the Duck is in fact everyone's Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck's great. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Haven't seen it. It's George Lucas, I think, (laughs) at at work again. I took four four, uh, years to uh, develop this concept yeah to develop Howard the Duck how how many years did it take Uh, art cinema fart cinema my name is Nadim my name's Simon this episode is uh uh is this is your worthless degree we've been through this sponsored by Sainsbury's (laughs) (laughs) passion fruit goji whatever the disgusting tea no no uh so we're we're uh talking about movies by Terry Zwigoff. 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 I don't even know. I, I'm gonna guess it's Zwigoff. Even, I don't even know. Mr. Zwigoff, uh, who he he released two movies in the or he released I presume more than that. Yeah, he's got about five films to his. his uh, Crumb is a documentary about Robert Crumb from '96. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghost World is his first fiction film. Yep. Uh, and that's one that we're delving right into mm-hmm. today. And then when did that come out? 2001. Yeah, 2001. Same year as Shrek. And uh, then he did Bad Santa, which everyone knows. Everyone's uh, seen that. I haven't seen that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. I remember getting it on rental and uh, being told to go to bed because it was too... Uh, too raunchy. Too raunchy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, it's a, it's a funny film. It's a, like, um, actually, I used to have, um, you know those big film guides like Halliwell's and Time Out? And yeah, yeah, to get yeah. You? I had the Virgin's film guide. I wonder why I was, <laughs> I was given the Virgin's film guide. And... Uh, they gave like uh, one and a half stars to The Big Lebowski by the Coen Brothers what? saying how could they go from their best film Fargo to this one their worst wow and uh, similarly with Bad Santa it got one and a half stars and they were like how could Teddy Compared to Ghost World go from Ghost World to Bad Santa yeah. uh, and I do I think Ghost I, I, uh, Ghost World is one of my favourite memories of being in a cinema, <laughs> cinema screen. Yeah. It's so good. And I, yeah, I'm going to break up, probably like start crying or something at oh several points. Please don't. I'm going to start crying. You've got, you've got your tea. You've got, I've got your my tea here, tea. yeah. No, uh, I, I, I've got a memory of being in uh, a little arty 
cinema watching that film in 2001 when it came out with a friend and some girl that was in my year at art college in the seat behind Oh, so you watched this when you were at art college? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I was in third year. <laughs> Ghost World, yeah, totally. Was this like a big um, movie then? Like um, for, for the art people? I think it was. I think that it, it had like a fairly warm reception in that screening and there was a sense that people were going to see it and talking about it and mm. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So in that sort of art cliquey, edgy cinema sort of way. You know, I mean, it's got a seven million budget and it made eight and a half or something. So it's very modest Modest success. success. You know, in film terms, it's probably considered a failure to not Mm -hmm. like earn twice your budget or something. But yeah. So I went to Ghost World. Uh, Ghost World is a film uh, based on Daniel Klaus's graphic novel and he wrote the screenplay for this film. So he adapted it himself. What's the graphic novel called? It's called Ghost World as well. (laughs) Uh, so his graphic novel Ghost World was adapted by him into this uh, this movie um, and it's very different, I, I later found out when I read the graphic novel that it's quite different the film to the mm. to the graphic novel. It's kind of been mutated Yeah, like he's, it's the same thing but he's just blown up certain parts and shrinks other parts I think he's, he's shown really admirable command of what definitely. makes a good what makes a good movie compared yeah. to a good yeah definitely yeah. No, no, that's um, right it's quite ingenious the way he's changed things around so that it says the same thing in one beginning, middle, and end type. Narrative. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually like things that happen in the comic book uh, are um, done to different characters in the movie, and <laughs> yeah. it works perfectly. It works really well. Right. Yeah. And oh, sorry. The second film we're talking about today mm-hmm. is Art School Confidential, which was the 2006 follow-up to Ghost, Ghost World. World. Well, Bad Santa was in the middle there, but um, right. but yeah, basically. Thematic follow-up. It's yeah, thematic follow-up, and I think that you know this isn't based on a graphic novel. I don't believe it's Daniel Klaus just writing a script. So it's the same guy. Yeah, he wrote this. He teamed up with the same director, but just wrote a script. I think that a, you know a section of Ghost World which wasn't in the graphic novel is that the main character goes to an Strathmore. Arts, yeah, Strathmore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, or so, a class over summer anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I think that they just just had so much fun with those scenes that they, that he must have thought, I want to write a film that, about. That's art genuinely art. what it feels like. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. I want to devote a whole movie to being at art college and art classes and yeah. art tutors and how mental tutors. How mind-numbingly. Yeah, it yeah. seems to be. So oh. we'll go into what Ghost, Ghost World is about. Enid, played by Thora Birch, and her friend Rebecca, played by Scarlett Johansson. And uh, it's a sort of section right after graduating high school, and it basically tells a story of their friendship ending over a sort of short period of time. Yeah. As Thora Birch becomes more interested in being a sort of what? what how would you describe so Enid, it? Enid is she's basically not grown up, and she lives with her father. And she's left high school with literally no plans at all. She has days where she feels like she can be a punk. She has days where, you know, she just doesn't do anything at all. She seems to cry a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of mixing this up with the graphic novel as well. But, yeah. But really... She's, she, 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 like, she's the sort of person that will decide to change glasses. Exactly. Frames, glasses frames in the middle of the day. Yeah. She's like, I feel like these glasses frames now. Yeah. She gets uh, she gets the thriller of uh, go, like running into sex shops mm-hmm. and... Uh, and generally just being abrasive and, and punky. I She's guess. a young person who wants to march to her own drum. But exactly. That, you know, there's an adult way of doing that and then yeah. there's a way that's somewhat... And she's alienated from the world, which yeah. she seems to see as something of a... Ghost? Ghost world. Ghost world. Is that maybe what the title means? So uh, then she's pals with uh, Scott Johansson's character, Rebecca. 
and Rebecca is very much like a close friend of Enid. However, Rebecca seems a lot more kind of future-oriented as the movie goes on. So as the movie goes on, she gets a job and holds it down, and she actually manages to find a flat and moves into one basically so this happens pro- it happens yeah she's pro she's proactive in she's their proactive. plan their plan to live together and not go to college mm. is something that she's proactive she's invested in and she's proactive Enid just kind of uh, it turns out that having a job sucks and you have to obey yeah. rules and you have to be polite to customers it sucks yeah <laughs> it does suck actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So Enid basically, she she go, she's completely alienated from the adult world. She doesn't think that there's any point in being an adult. So she kind of finds herself more and more alienated when her friend actually manages to become more of an adult as we go on. Mm-hmm. And then her friend, I guess, their friend's kind of stuck in that situation where um, she feels like she's almost betraying her past self for for growing up. Right. Yeah. She's lucky. She's lucky that something comes along to distract her from mm-hmm. the fact that she's uh, not. You know, to, to to take her away from Rebecca's kind of the the, the codependent relationship that they would have had mm-hmm. during school, yeah. uh, they, you know, they're the sort of pair that have like they, they like to make a game out of everything. Out of everything they're yeah. set in the diner. They draw people. They go, oh, look, I'm sure they're Satanists. You know, they'll draw. Uh, you know, Rebecca comes in and sits down, and Thorbert's uh, Enid is drawing in her sketch pad a, a couple of people. Look over your shoulder. I'm pretty sure they're Satanists. And they do stuff. look like they're Satanists. We have to, you know, we have to follow them. Oh, we so have to. And then they follow people, and they just decide to go along like that in a sort of whimsical yeah, sort of way. She's a child. She's a child. Yeah, um, and they end up in some <laughs> up fifties diner. Well, you know, I don't know. Yeah, weird. What do you think of Weird Al, the, the guy that comes over? And goes, Hi, I'm Alan. I'll be your waiter. And they're like, Can we call you Weird Al? And he goes. I'd imagine so. <laughs> and what's great about that is that in the uh, comic book, there's like two panels between uh, the uh, I'd imagine so uh, dialogue. And actually what they ask is something like, can we get super? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. says I'd imagine so. I'll so Daniel the, uh, Close yeah. just uh, took part of the scene out and just put I'd imagine so to be <laughs> a response to something completely different. Anyway, I'd imagine so. So yeah. the movie then kind of takes a turn when uh, Enid and Rebecca decide to uh, call up a man who's putting kind of like a lonely hearts ad in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So they call him up and they say, you know, I'm the girl you're looking for. Uh, meet me in this <laughs> diner. <And laughs> so they turn up to the diner and they sit and watch the guy as he, this loser, played by Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi with a green cardigan. <coughs> you know, wear that, wear that sexy green cardigan. Cause, you know, like What's that. his name? Seymour. Seymour. So Seymour turns up at this diner and he uh, sits at a table and they just watch this poor, dilapidated man. Finish a vanilla milkshake. I like the way that she goes, oh my God, he just ordered a big glass of milk. Yeah. <laughs> and Josh is their friend who's played by Brad Renfro, who they've just like duped into driving them along to this thing. Yeah, so and Josh is like their little boy, basically. Yeah, and he's just like, you know... <coughs> the, the drink's not helping. <coughs> yeah, I don't. I never get ill, mate. You never get ill. You, man. I probably not say that. That's that's tempting fate, isn't it? Touch wood. Touch wood. We interrupt this podcast to bring you meme drone.
yeah, um, where was I? Brad Renfro, Josh, the little boy, <laughs> he like gets roped along and stuff. And uh, yeah, she says, oh my God, he just ordered a large glass of milk. And it's like, that's a vanilla milkshake. You know, like you're looking too hard to see it. You know, weird exactly. things in this guy's behavior. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, Enid gradually, uh, so she develops a relationship with this with this guy after meeting him at a record sale. So he, he she bumps into him again and uh, actually comes to think of him despite being him being a little bit of a loser and a little bit of a kind of creature cranky eccentric a cranky eccentric creature of comfort Enid then kind of develops a sort of relationship with him uh, in which she tries to kind of sort his life out but then uh, you know feelings come into it and stuff and then her relationship with Rebecca falls apart this at the next thing right so uh, yeah this movie is so it's not a fart cinema. It's not a fart movie, is it? It's, it's not, not fart. It's no. definitely not a bad film at it's, all. Like, in fact, even even suggesting that it could be is is, is silly, right? It's a, it's, it's a, a really film. well done film. <laughs> it's, it's a good movie. It's close to outstanding. It's not quite amazing. You, you don't think it's outstanding? I, I think it might be. It could be. I think mm. it's 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 close. So I think I love the so the opening starts with um, this amazing, absolutely brilliant uh, incorporation of a an old Bollywood film, and it's like a musical number from a Bollywood film. And uh, I actually looked up this uh, this Bollywood movie, and the plot of it sounds amazing. It's called, I think it's called Gumnam or something. I actually <laughs> wish I'd written it down. I, I haven't. I just have the description here. But <laughs> the description of this movie sounds so sick. Uh, at a nightclub, seven people (brackets five men and two women) are told they have won the raffle uh, and are instructed to board a small plane that will take them to their holiday destination. Instead, they end up stranded on a small island with one of the plane's co-pilots. In search of shelter, the eight go to a mansion where they meet a butler who announces that he knows all of them and has been expecting their arrival. After a few musical numbers, <laughs> uh, castaways begin dropping dead one by one. Who could the killer be and will any of them escape his grasp? That sounds so good. It does me. indeed, actually. Yeah. And if it's got the musical numbers that we see in the in Ghost World, that'd be bloody great. I'd, yeah, I'd, it's I'd, like I'd really watch like... that movie. Is it like sort of rock? It's rock and roll from the fifties, sort of. It's like fifties rock and roll uh, through a Bollywood filter. So it's it's actually looks kind of Latin American. Mm. But anyway, it's it's a, a musical number from a Bollywood film, and it's intercut with uh, a kind of camera floating through uh, or floating past the windows of a flat. That does that looks amazing. It's like, so good. The, the street, uh, the sort of the the TV wires and yeah. uh, the the camera kind of drifts down and goes past goes windows. Past the windows. You see, yeah, you see people doing not very much in their living rooms. Yeah. There's the glow of the TVs and it's, things. It's all it's all the dullness of the adult world that that um, that Enid doesn't feel. Uh, like she can connect to in any way, any yeah. meaningful way, and and like so, there's there's even a bit where the camera pans down to a window in which uh, there's a kid just smacking a drum uh, <laughs> yeah, in front of his parents like... who are trying to watch TV, and, and, and they're it's not to the beat of the music, and it's oh, they're not even like the parents aren't even reacting to the kid, no, no, they're not no. telling it, they've, they've given up, they've presumably, given up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically, yeah. the the adult world from the office set up is just being this kind of place of boredom and. Meanwhile, Enid is watching this Bollywood movie uh, and dancing in her room and having a great old time. It's such a good opening. It's it's great. one of the best openings of, 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 of a film, I think. Yeah, no. Uh, um, of, of any film I've seen. I love it. It's, it's brilliant. Really good opening. I um, think that Seymour is... Uh, here's the thing. Like, so you look at the poster, it's very much Thora Birch, Scarlett Johansson, two girls mm. starring in this movie. You know what? Uh, um... Steve Buscemi's Seymour is a more of a main character Absolutely. in this film than Scarlett yeah. Johansson is for sure. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson gets kind of sidelined. Sidelined totally, which is ironic because I think, or it's not ironic, but it's uh, it's interesting given that Thora Birch is someone I hadn't heard of before watching this film, whereas uh, 
Mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson is obviously, you know, international superstar number one. I yeah. think she's the highest paid actress of, of right now, I think. Probably, yeah. She's doing really well for herself anyway. So why on earth did Thora Birch uh, not get the career that Scarlett Johansson did? Because I think Thora Birch is way better in this film. She's uh, Thora Birch is a great actress. She carries the movie. And uh, much quite kind of like what, what I said about Michelle Williams in an earlier episode. Mm. She's about the same age as me. And right. I've, I honestly, yeah. Thora Birch is someone that I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's, she's a few years younger than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's this like eccentric. When she was on TV interviews and stuff mm. as well, promoting things. She's would, weird, yeah. She's, she's just the right level oh. of like strange and kooky and that, you know. Right up your street, side. Exactly, yeah. Right up um, your street. So you don't, you don't, you haven't seen American Beauty? Haven't seen it. No, she was in that. The previous year, I actually have no interest in seeing it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kevin Spacey, <laughs> yeah. the Spacey Factor. Yeah, oh, I don't know about that. Well, yeah, she's in that, and she's a f- blowaway character in that as well. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Damn. Is she, is she the main it. girl on it? You should watch. I know it what it's for, about. Yeah, you should watch it just to get you know um, the the Thora Birch and Wes Bentley, who's another actor who's kind of drifted, kind of mm. a boring guy now. Right, right. Uh, but he's yeah, he's not got a career because he's boring. Whereas Thora Birch is too interesting for Hollywood. Do you think that's the reason? I can tell you more about this, right? Yeah, yeah. Get into it, man. Her parents are oh. po- are basically work as a manager. Right. Uh, she's managed by her parents, especially her father, mm-hmm. and they're uh, former porn stars. <laughs> they, they were in Deep Throat together. No way! Wow. There's all this talk. So was Thora Birch uh, conceived on a porn set? Question mark. Question mark. Could have been. That's a rad. That's kind of like a cool. Yeah. Uh, that's a cool origin story for Thora Birch. Now apparently, <laughs> Thora Birch's dad is the one that's ended her career by being a, someone who they don't want to know. They're like, well, oh. you know, we don't want to cast Thora Birch in this role because our dad comes along with her and he's a fucking annoying <laughs> That's a shame. That sort of thing, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I can't really, like, I'm not th- an authority on the subject, but you're a, you're there was... authority. A Thora Birchity, yeah, authority, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Uh... There was um, a guy who I met uh, who <laughs> programs for horror film festivals, and mm. you'll like throw in, you'll name check people he spoke he's spoken to at certain festivals yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And oh, I interviewed her here, and he, <sighs> he, 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 you know, so you take what you hear from this guy with a, a grain of salt. But he mm. did tell me once that he he knew that uh, Thora Birch. <laughs> <laughs> I want to prepare for this story before she you... was. Uh, she was. Be, she was in a film where she had a love scene, and it was all like the normal thing of like we're going to close the set and as few people on yeah. as possible oh. and stuff. And you, yeah. you know, if you're not, if you've not got a reason to be on the set, stay out. But Daddy Thora Birch's Daddy. No, no, don't tell me. He <laughs> managed to you know fight his way into the set all the time, and he wouldn't go away. And he started like trying to direct the scene because oh he's he knows he's he the knows. Authority on set yeah, I've, I was in deep throat, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, just like that. <laughs> oh my god, that's this crazy. Is, this could have arms and legs added to it by this guy who's like a name dropping. No, 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 of course. Festival thing, definitely. but whatever. That's what that's what someone that's told hilarious. me. That's hilarious. It wow. does appear to have. It's definitely. It true. seems plausible, doesn't it? It's definitely true yeah. that her career is. Partly, it's a shame. Dived because of her father's involvement in her as a, she, he's her manager or whatever. Yeah, that is a shame because she does uh, carry this film. Like she's really good in it. She's poten- She's so potentially brilliant. But I'm going to put it down to her choices as well because she was in a British horror film called The Hole with Keira Knightley. Oh, 
uh, and she put on a British accent for it and was stuff. It this is the sort of thing that she will have been. You know, I want to try different things. I want to show that I'm versatile, mm. and yeah, uh, but that probably led her. Also, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, but that was before Ghost World. So even if even as bad as Dungeons and Dragons was, I think Ghost World should have. They should uh, have given our should, yeah, should have yeah. wiped the slate clean on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, um, Ghost World's the last great film that she was. She did. She basically, as an adult actor, she did American Beauty and Ghost World, and, and everything it. else. Is that's a real shame. And Damn. she's got a history of being like a child actor as well. You can go back and watch Patriot Games with Harrison Ford. She's you know his daughter in it. You know, like well, about right. eight years old of that. She's in a few films with Christina Ricci as well. The two of them. Because apparently Christina Ritchie was going to be in Ghost World. Oh, yeah, very, she was going to be replacing Scott Johansson's character, I believe. I think the movie was sorely is sorely lacking uh, moments, uh, more moments like the opening. Like, I, I mm. honestly, from the moment the film opened, I was like, "This is going to be great," and then it kind of settles into its own rhythms a little bit too much, and it even becomes a bit of an old school movie. Like it. It's the piano almost, soundtrack. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, it's just too understated. And walking, turning yeah. corners, walking around the street. And stuff. It becomes very old, old, old school. And um, why do I keep stuttering today? What's going on? You're maybe catching my stuttery, stutting <laughs> Jack d- disease. <laughs> but um, I could have really done with them like another really good music moment, or mm-hmm. or something where the camera did something interesting because because for the longest stretch this movie is literally just talking 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 and I mean that's what the comic books consist of meme drone They made the movie as um, dreary as possible to make the adult world look dreary. So they didn't hire extras for scenes where they shot outside on streets because they wanted the streets to look really empty, mm. uh, and they wanted just the whole the whole kind of adult world affair to just yeah. seem like crap. So yeah, it was, it's um... the comic is excellent. The comic is I think the comic might be better than the movie. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, I think I like the film, but I saw the film for I, I like them both. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't compete one against the other regarding the graphic novel and uh-huh. the film. But yeah, this movie, like I said, I sat in this theater and there's a scene uh, where she's getting to know Seymour. She's getting to know Steve Buscemi's character. He uh, they show up at a party that 
Well, it's not really a party. It's the an show... adult party. Yeah, it's an adult. <laughs> a party. record collectors get together yeah. thing. Yeah, and it's and so. When I say fun. adult, I mean like adult with like a lowercase a, not an adult with an, ad- mm. with an uppercase a. Scarlett Johansson's character has been kind of duped into showing up at this thing, and she's sitting at this <laughs> the settee at the side, looking <laughs> f- terrified. Yeah, as these old bald, weird-looking guys talk about records, talking about records and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. arguing away in that. That guy from uh, is it the guy from Arrested Development? That plays the never. That's right, right. Oh my goodness, right. So, uh, oh crap, what's his name? David Cross. Uh, yeah. So Tobias from Arrested Development's in it, but he plays like a alpha male type guy who's like sitting on the uh, side of the couch <laughs> chatting up the girls. And it's well, so he's cringe. alpha within that group. Exactly. When he yeah, goes yeah. into that group, he gets to show off his uh, <laughs> nerves compared his nerves of steel compared to the other guys. Oh my goodness. And he's like, you know, I'm going to go over there and talk to them, and it's like, yeah, whatever. And, he's, and I love the bit where he goes, "Tell you what, man. Tell you what." You can't you can't score a home run without swinging the bat. Physically impossible, you know. And he just like totally like takes it's, a sort of confident really, swagger over there. He goes, uh, "Oh hey, there's a seat," and sits down like right next to the girls. And goes like, "So so hey, you seem like smart, intelligent girls. What are you doing here, hanging out with all these losers?" <laughs> as if he's not oh, as if he's not as if there he's not himself. A fool, <laughs> he's with. not there already by his own like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, what a guy! Class. No, no, and I think that the when he. Goes and sits down on the couch. That's just Tobias from Arrested Development from the off, and it's quite it's quite weird seeing him in that situation because, like, obviously I associate David Cross so closely with Tobias. I mean, I, you know, I'm like the biggest fan of Arrested Development. I bloody love it. Uh, so it's it's weird. Yeah, he's a never nude. He's a never nude. I love the never nude thing. I wish. <laughs> Yeah, funny, funny. Funnier still in that scene. About mm. for me, mm. uh, Enid goes over and talks to Seymour, and they get talking about where his. Where his really valuable stuff is, and he's got he's got his special room that he she manages to get her way in there, and it's like Fifty Shades of Grey, but not beige. Beige, nice. Fifty Shades of Beige and kitsch artwork, and when he says to Enid, I've you know I've got about you know something like fifteen hundred or something, that's a lot of records. Uh, seven to eight, and he goes, I've pared it down to just the essential, yeah. and I looked over, I remember looking over at my friend and just going, I love this guy. This guy yeah. is like a little hero of mine. He's like you. Yeah. <laughs> oh god I wish I had a friend like Seymour mm. <laughs> so if, you if you don't have a friend like Seymour maybe you are Seymour yeah maybe because I've got a friend like Seymour have you yeah it's you it's you it's me <laughs> oh my goodness <coughs> I'm dying I'm What's dying in this house there's a background character in Ghost World played by an actor called Pat Healy mm-hmm. uh He's oh, the guy, yeah. He's the guy who brings her the tapes and stuff, and slags her off. And uh, she goes, they go into the shop that he works in when she's dyed her hair green like a punk. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's the guy who uh, goes, "Oh my god, don't you realize that punk, you know, died or whatever? You know, like, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to fuck up the system, you know, you know, join some big corporation, fucking stuff from the inside. That's what <laughs> I'm going to do. And uh, she, you know, she throws him the money that he owes that she owes him at, mm. at his face, and he goes, "Oh." That's so punk like that. Mm. For so- <laughs> his little insult, where he goes, uh, um, you know, the the last tape you gave me sucked or whatever, and she, and he goes, oh, I'm very sorry if it offended you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's 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 hitting over like the anti-Semitic jokes like the entire film. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. Also, the, like the end of this film. What did you think of the whole? the end of this film with the the bus that's been stopped picking back up again Would yeah because she talks about in the comic book I don't know if she does it in the film but she talks about how she wants to just leave all of her life behind and move to a different place and just completely reinvent herself and then at the end of the film she does that Lord of the Rings everyone's seen that yeah. where they go away on the boat 
Right. <laughs> that's, that's all there is to it. I think all there is to it was that kind of aesthetic of, uh, of people getting on a boat or getting on a vehicle and driving away. Right. There's an old guy that's been sitting on the bench. Yeah. And they go, oh, look, he's there like he is every day. And uh, So throughout the film, we see this old man sitting on the bench. It's quite near the start. There's a few scenes like this where you can see the the way that they're kind of going off in different directions. Mm. Uh, I think that you see, you can sense a surprise in Becky, though, when uh, two things that Thora Birch's cat Enid Stott does. Mm. When she, you know, I wonder, I wonder if he thinks that the bus is actually coming and, you know, why don't you just ask him then? Mm. And she <laughs> does. She stops and starts talking to the old guy yeah, and you yeah. can see in Scarlett Johansson's face like, what the <laughs> f- are you actually, are you actually doing it? Yeah, oh! yeah. No, we've, we've all had yeah. pals like that. Yeah, and it's like, you're, hey, you know that this bus uh, stopped? It's not, you know, you don't know what you're talking about and all this sort of thing, you know, yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, then the, later on, there's the weird doll bit where uh, Becky kind of goes, I want to make love to him. And it's like, I'm going to tell him you said that. That's but, perfect. Hey, Al. My friend was just, shut up, you know, just like covering her mouth, you know, yeah. Jesus Christ, you know. Also writing the note for Josh where it's like, we came to f*** you, but you weren't in, therefore you are gay. <laughs> are you actually going to leave that note? It sounds Amber and Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> are you actually yeah. going to leave that note? And it's like, you get yep. the sense that Thorburch is like, right, f*** it, I'm left school, I'm yeah. going to just like, let it all go wide. Yeah, you know, but in that sort of way where it's not even actually that impressive. No, but, no, it, yeah. it's like numbingly inevitable. Yeah. So... What I was going to say though is like when I was I was thinking about what the wider significance of this bus route thing was when, oh, right. I, when I first watched it. Mm-hmm. It really took me a long time to think. You know what the hell is is the is the point in that? Though? That's a bit weird. You know when the bus just arrives again, mm-hmm. and maybe it's. I don't know. I just thought maybe it's this thing of uh, this thing of. <laughs> You've said it a few times. Have I? I? Did I you let it go? Yeah, I let it go. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, maybe I'll. Maybe I'll. No, edit no, them no, out. you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to edit these motherfuckers. <laughs> I hate these. <laughs> this is the thing. That was the thing. It's this thing of. Mm-hmm. It's this thing of. I can actually looking out my window and I can see a guy across the way in just his boxer shorts. Oh damn! Look at him dancing. Look at him dance. Whoa, yeah. whoa! He's pulling out a shotty. <laughs> bam bam. Yeah, what I was saying, the bus thing. I just kind of <laughs> felt like it was, uh, you know. It was pointing out that sometimes you could be looking at someone thinking they're hopeless. That's yeah. you know, and then it turns out. And then it turns out, yeah, you, you're proven wrong. That's a hundred percent proven wrong. Yeah, so it's a proven, it's a proven wrong thing. Enid's going to f- figure herself out. Exactly. That it's, boss it's is like, going to show up for her as well. Like <laughs> looking at someone in the adult world doing something that you deem to be stupid, but they're, you're actually proven wrong because yeah. the old man clearly knows something that she didn't or something, right? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he waited um, a long time for that boss. <laughs> But maybe we, it's, uh, it's, it's it's you know there's a way there's a way of synchronizing it so is that you don't waste days actually sitting there. But the, yeah. the bus will show up and you just have to be at the right point to jump on it or something. Mm. Yeah, something to do with that. Something That's to do with the thing. lost cause. What looks like a lost cause, it might not quite be that. It'll be something. It's a postponed cause rather than a lost cause. Mm. Yeah. That's good, man. A postponed cause. <laughs> I want to talk about Brad Renfro because do you know about him? He's the guy that plays Josh. Uh, I don't know. So and and he plays Josh, who works. You know, <laughs> uh, so uh, the, they punish. They like to torture Josh by going in and asking him what the specials are and stuff. Mm. And of course, he has to rattle through them because his boss will get on to him if he doesn't. Mm. So he has to go through they, this, they, the script. They take glee and kind of uh, taking yeah. the mick at that. So again, it's this kind of constant uh, ribbing at the adult world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brad Renfro is Josh, and yeah. You know, so yeah, uh, he in real life he's he's dead. He um, is he? He oh. died of a heroin and meth. 
That's sad. Heroin and morphine overdose. Uh, intoxication of those two drugs. Uh, and I can't remember when he died, but uh, he's, he's in a few films that I like. He's in Bully by Larry Clark as well, okay. which is a, also a very strange, contentious film. A lot of people would say that. Mm-hmm. I like it. I don't care. We <laughs> like those. But uh, no, he... um Yeah, so he had like sort of drug problems and stuff. Uh, one thing that he did before even Ghost World, I think... <laughs> So him, and his, him and his friend t- tried to steal a yacht, but they apparently they couldn't uh, lift the um, the anchor up, so the police uh, managed to catch <laughs> they managed to catch them quite easily. You, <laughs> you idiot! They tried to steal a forty five foot yacht. And That's brilliant. Yeah, but what would you do? Like, there's only so much water. Like, you just oh, we'll get away in the sea. It's like yeah, but the, you'll get caught. You're in the yeah. sea. Idiot. Uh, Thora Birch as well. Like, um, sh- uh, so I saw uh, on in the year two thousand. Maybe it was so that was probably before Ghost World, between mm. Ghost World and American Beauty that I saw her being on British TV quite a bit. She did TFI Friday, where she talked about American Beauty and how it's it's okay to like the weird guy in school. The weird guys are cool. So I was like, Hey, she likes She likes me. She, she likes <laughs> the weird guys as well. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> if you could only yeah. see Simon's face right now. I'm like, so, yeah, I'm so cheered he's up. So happy, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm so happy. Sora Birch likes me. Sora Birch might like me, but probably not. She'd probably be like, no, you're the wrong type of weird. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> back back to the fucking <laughs> small part. If she listened to this podcast, she'd be like, mm, I'm not sure. Nudity tapes, yes. Nudity tapes. Nudity tapes. General, uh, <laughs> general tardiness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Coughing all over the place. Yeah, that's a good one. The fact that you liked that thing, what is it Kombuchka. called? I can't believe you liked it. I love. I was fully expecting you to be like, that's absolute broke. I love kombuchka number one. Kombuchka number one. Kombuchka number one. I need to stress that we don't get paid for this. It's just, I just thought it'd be funny. But, I, I spent two quid on this thing. I keep swearing this episode. Editing out all of my coughing and. Mm. It's you need to keep thing. in the coughing when it's relevant. It's that thing when... No, you don't. It's the thing when... You know, whatever, yeah. Um, cool. Thora Birch, uh, she did um, one of the one of the, mo- one of the Brit Awards' most memorable moments. Mm. Um, well... <laughs> yeah, the prestigious Brit so Awards. After, after Jarvis Cocker in 1996, so he did that wafty <laughs> thing. Did you ever yeah. see Jarvis get on the stage while Michael yeah, Jackson was on? So after that, there was also when Thora Birch and Ronnie Wood from the Rolling Stones... Uh, were presenting an award and a drunk DJ called Brandon Block got up on stage because someone just like taking the piss said they just called your name you've won something and he went he <laughs> sauntered onto the stage like a moron <laughs> and just stood there and if Ronnie Wood said something really rude to him like yeah okay mate your your spot's over there mate <laughs> off sort of thing oh damn and uh, of course drunk Brandon Block squared up and woo up to Ronnie Wood and Thora Birch is standing in the middle of it laughing her <laughs> head off and I thought that's brilliant some you know some prudish prissy actresses would be like, "Oh my God, well, yeah. I'm not coming back to but Britain Thora again." Thora Birch, she loved it. She was laugh. absolutely like rocking, her, rocking her head back, laughing. I like the fact as well that Ronnie Wood, um, you could actually hear him there and then, in the moment, knee jerk reaction at this guy squaring up to me goes, "Where's Vinny? Get Vinny up here now." He's talking about Vinny Jones. <laughs> Basically, Ronnie Wood has Vinny Jones as his hard man's side guy. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as someone gives me trouble, I'll just <laughs> shout Vinny over. Vinny will take care of me. If only life yeah. were that simple. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you get to that level of success, like, if you're a Rolling Stone, quite right, you've He's got Vinny Jones on retainer. on stage in the Brit Awards, and he says, where's Vinny? Was <laughs> Vinny Jones even in the building? Was he really at the Brit Awards? <laughs> he was maybe uh, in a drone above Where's it. Vinny? He was in a drone above the arena, and he would drop down from a, a rope ladder if needed. 
Right, it's just like Ronnie's just going to flip open that phone. Vinny! Vinny! <laughs> Vinny! I need you now. I'm going no, to give you my exact coordinates and you're going to find me. I'm in, I'm in serious danger. <laughs> but, he's just, but like, what if he's like... Yeah, so he's just like in, in the house, like in his, in his mansion. And he's just... I don't know, like something really, really... Like a shell falls in his house and he... Vinny! <laughs> and he Where's Vinny? Like, Vinny! I need you, Vinny! <coughs> I was actually going somewhere with that, but I can't remember where. Oh. Uh, I was going to go into someone like... If Ronnie Wood had like an anxiety disorder and Vinny just got called for like the slightest thing. Inside. <laughs> 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 Hey, that's cool. The devil inside reminds me. The devil inside reminds me of a time when I worked posing for the art students. Mm, I remember listening to the art tutor. Yeah, 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 yeah. The art tutor. Mm, The art tutor would talk absolute shit in complete Uh. silence and stillness. I was suffering. Very good. As one of the tutors, he loved trees. Hey, that's cool. How she once loved a tree. Yeah. Uh, shoot the ship. Yeah. Uh, so, Ghost World. See the scenes where she's in the back uh, in Seymour's little room when she gets in there. You kind of feel like she clicks with that as her room almost as much as it's his room. Right, the, exactly. From the moment that she first steps into that, she's room, like maybe being an adult's not so bad. It's like I can see a way into yeah, I can see a way into the adult world through exactly. the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, exactly and it. she's trying, she's trying to get him even to be meet meet her in the middle when she's like setting her, trying to set him up with all these women. He's like, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, uh, I can't relate to half of humanity and all this sort of stuff. And, exactly. And she, she actually she she says to him, I don't think it's completely hopeless. Mm. You know, yeah. So, so it's like by by kind of being reflected in someone else, she realizes there's a way out of her rut, right? Mm-hmm. That's so true, though, man. It's yeah. such a, it's such a perfectly, like that's such a perfectly written written scene that moment. Yeah, that, like um, where two people kind of see the flaws in each other reflected in themselves, or maybe it's the other way around. Anyway, kind of cool. Yeah, and I think that the visual kind of characteristic of those scenes where she's in that room with him, mm. and his walls are actually beige or something like clay, a sort of They're brown total, clay yeah, colour. His, his room looks <laughs> like shit. We're going to go into the bit about the art class, uh, and she finds a poster in his room that's from like uh, the old school days of something, right? Yeah. But we'll go into that in a bit. But mm. that moment where she finds the poster, and she's like, she's looking at what she's found leaning against the wall, mm. and she turns to him, and she's turning back and forth between what she's found and him. Yeah. And there's a shadow on the wall of her face. And it's the, the way that it's framed and filmed and the balancing of the colours and the light and stuff. I just think that's beautiful. Nice. That's like... All right, Mark, that's, mode. <laughs> that's like the next sort of zing. What you're saying about the opening scene yeah. being like a bit of a zing where you're like, there's so much visual character. There's mm-hmm. like every frame is a thousand words type feeling going oh, definitely. on yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. Same goes for that scene. Right, I need she, to watch that again. Yeah, and it's when she finds this painting. This is like so. We'll maybe go back to the fact that she's been given a summer art school to attend because of failing classes. Mm. So she's going to this summer school, 
where a woman called Eliana Douglas plays the teacher. I can't remember the character's name, but Eliana Douglas is the name of the actress. Mm. And the teacher She's in this class... She's just this wanky art teacher. She, the first thing you see, <laughs> you see her film before you see her. Her yep. film is playing on a little monitor and it's like mirror, father, mirror. And it's just like shots <laughs> it of reminded like me. Stairs. It reminded me of the story you told about the, the van where you went, the art van. It literally reminded me. When I that. hold my hand up to the light, I see my dead mother. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Mirror, father, mirror, and it's that like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like footsteps up a stairs, and then you'll see like a sink, and there'll be like a doll's arm and doll's head. And they're all going down the sink and stuff. Ching, ching. So like... it's like this kind of inane, boring, <laughs> oh, look how arty I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end of it, it, you know, the lights come on and goes, I call that piece Mirror, Father, Mirror. <laughs> I like to show it to people I'm meeting for the first time because I feel it says so much about who I am and what it feels like to inhabit my specific skin. <laughs> I just love, I've watched that scene so many times, right? I will quote that line with ease. Yeah. I won't even have to Till think you're blue about in the it. Face. I won't even have to think about it because yeah. that character is so under my skin. She's so much, she's oh, so true God. to life, though, isn't it? Like, it's isn't absolutely, she? yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 we've, all, we've all met this. We've all, we've met, all met someone, someone like that, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. where the. So, I guess this is this expands into Art School of Confidential, but yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that one. Um, but, so this, uh, this art teacher seems to see potential in everyone bar Enid. So, Enid is. Quite a talented little drawer. But There's she... a little guy in the class as well who just draws video game stuff as well. Like, what's, the, what's, what's this, Philip, or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah but um... she kind of shirks off everything that Enid makes as being uh, um, light entertainment. Like, light entertainment. Like boring, or, or not boring, but just, just kind of titillating and nothing more. Whereas, uh, so you kind of see, juxtapose, you see Enid's art, and then you see this girl who's made this coat hanger statue is that right is this yeah nice there's a there's a there's um a coat hanger statue that she makes and uh, and it looks like and it's like this is you know it's i think it's harriet the girl's name is yeah. ha- harriet is this your piece harriet and harriet's like yeah i just uh i thought you know i would make this piece as a you know a reflection on like the issue of a woman's right to choose it's something i feel super strongly about and like it's isn't really this like, a magnificent piece people and stuff you know it just yeah, goes it's on it's like really that, really yeah. oh it's like she she really overplays it like she she overcooks the way she says that and it's like obviously for comedic effect mm, like yeah. it's like get a load of this <laughs> bullshit. and then of course the art teacher is like wow that is so amazing like even that. funnier still is when the the art teacher later on when they show they're showing more of their pieces uh later on in the film and the teacher actually fills in mm. she asks harriet what her piece is about and then jumps on her mid mid sentence exactly it a, it's a, for it's it, a yeah. tampon and a teacup <laughs> and it's, it's like, like it's a found art piece oh. I, I, yeah a found art object piece <laughs> and uh, a, a teacup i was thinking about the old school days of, of you know tea parties and things like oh. that uh, but i wanted to kind of turn that on its head and the teacher jumps and goes and can present the uh, the audience or the, you know with with this shocking image of repressed femininity yeah yeah, yeah. she just completely yeah. bulldozes it over <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that art oh, and it cuts painful. to it cuts to thora birch's face so all the way through all these scenes it'll cut to thora's face Mm. And she's just absolutely livid. Like, what? Yeah. What am I listening what to? The is this shit? I don't get you it. You really yeah. get the sense that is it Daniel Close or Daniel yeah. Close? Um, he, Daniel Close. You get. You very much get the sense that the writer slash director uh, 
have had it up to here with with these kinds of people yeah the, and, and this kind of manifests itself far more in the next movie that we're going to talk about do you want to move on to art school confidential any any time that ghost world comes up again we can come back to it yeah. but yeah uh, art school confidential then cool four right, years so, later or something or five years later mm-hmm. he makes this film uh, so terry's why go or zygon or zygon symbiote saigon i was still in saigon big big What's his name? Terry. Terry Zwee. Terry. Let's call him Terry Zwee. You know that he's got. Um, I was. I was worried that he was never going to work again after. I don't think he has worked again. He's made a half-hour pilot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is it called again? It's got. Uh, it's got Joel yeah. David Moore in it. No, 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 I know, I know. Right. So, <laughs> oh my God, Joel David Moore. I forgot about him. Yeah. Right. So, Art School Confidential is about a about. What the f- happened to me? The about. It's about. Uh, Who? I've never done this before. Or maybe I haven't not thought about it. I'm going to clear the bottle away because I'm going to end up fiddling around. Did you finish it? Yeah, yeah, it's delicious. How was your kombucha tea? Delicious. Was it yummy? But I'm worried that I'll end up hanging around with the lid on the table and it'll just like irritate the audience, the rest, the the, the listening audience. The The two people that still listen to this. We need to. I'm going to have to take a. We're going to have to take a break from recording because uh, not not right now. I just mean at some point. I just mean in the next few weeks because we're both ill and we're both tired out. Yeah, we've we've literally we've been working, and then in our spare time we've been doing podcasting, and then we go to sleep, and then we work. And, and I'm I'm a contract killer as well, so I've got to I've got to shoot her. You had to kill in. a little girl like yeah. two days ago. I can't yeah. believe that. Oh, it's brutal. How was it though? Was it fine? It was an easy hit. It was an easy hit. She yeah. didn't. She didn't. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Asking to say you didn't fight. It's only for one grand for a child. You know that because they're so easy that you know anyone could shoot them. <laughs> Anyone could pick That's like uh, in Bruges, yeah, when yeah. he shoots the child. Oh my goodness. Let's change it to little boy. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Why show chivalry? Yeah, chivalry is so old school. That's benevolent sexism. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Art School Confidential, well, mm. uh, we've probably. Probably going to have to edit out the last three minutes of us babbling around nah, getting no, onto the it. subject of this keep it, film. It seems to me like that's that stuff in Ghost World with the art teacher. Mm. It's you know. It was almost like a. It was like a, a moment of inspiration. It, it was. was like a, it's like the branch that all the other branches grew out from and flourished into beautiful yeah, flowers. That 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 uh, that that line of the narrative didn't exist in the graphic novel at all. Not it was something completely yeah. new for a film, and I think that they just had this moment where they were directing those scenes. Yeah. And, uh, and the like, writer, they were like, oh, I, want to do a, I want to do a whole film like this. And yeah. it's gratuitous to an extent because I've said to you that I think Art School Confidential, it's a film that it sets out to appeal to an audience that's so narrow and almost, it's almost absurd yeah. to single out the disaffected former art student yeah. as an audience for a for a motion picture. Exactly, yeah. Dis- yeah. I, I don't mean like anyone who's been to uni and done like literature or film mm. theory or anything like that. I mean, literally, specifically, people who studied fine People who were in on the joke, yeah. And didn't like being there. Yeah. To some degree, whether they're embittered I don't or, know. I think, I think the... He does manage to put this kind of across... Like, the strongest part of this film is the fact that it rips the piss out of the art art school world so well but that's the strongest part of the movie and I think it does translate pretty well it's everything else that I didn't like too much so mm-hmm. I didn't not like it I just it's a bit bland I don't know this movie is oh wow like you're taking the mic of art students like everyone at uni does that <laughs> yeah yeah everyone does it everybody 
it's a bit like any Donald Trump send up. You're just like, well, what else is new? Kind exactly. Of it's like, yeah. yeah, what 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 else have you got? Yeah. So yeah. this movie is um about a boy called Jerome. Jerome. There we go. Uh, Jerome. He goes off to art school, uh, having been bullied at school uh, and having uh, kind of loved. Pablo Picasso. He he wants to be the hero worshipping Picasso. So he wants to be the Pablo <laughs> Picasso of the twenty first century. So he's a hero worshipper of, of of young Picasso. And um, it yeah. seems to be not just his artwork, but the fact that he's a, a short guy who gets laid a lot exactly, as well. Yeah. So he's a short, <laughs> ugly womanizer, and he wants to be like that. So that's basically who he's embodied. Um, and he goes off to art school hoping that uh, his. Uh, artistic genius will be recognised and it just doesn't quite happen for him and as the movie goes on he gets increasingly bitter uh, to the point should we, should we spoil it? I don't know yeah, yeah totally yeah. we're spoiling everything cool, cool. to the point where uh, he takes the fall for uh, a strangler or, or a murderer <laughs> who has been uh, on campus and is killing people he takes the blame for it and uh, consequent, consequently uh, becomes a kind of sensation in the art world which is a kind of totally grim you know, comment on on what the art world finds interesting. Right? Yeah, totally. Um, uh, so, so this film, I I didn't like it the first time I saw it because no, don't say that. I need to watch it again then. Nah, I don't want to watch it again. You <laughs> don't have to watch it again. I didn't really like it the first time I saw it because I was first of all. Ghost World, right? We've already gone there. Mm. Like, I really loved it. Mm. And when I found out that they were just going to set a whole film in art college, I was like, so that's going to be like those scenes, but for the whole film, yeah. brilliant. And I watched it and I really felt like, oh, shit. I kind of feel like the, um, like, what is it? The me- is the message to this movie basically that this guy's a great artist because he can drew- draw like a, a boring graphite pencil self portrait mm. and that makes him great and everyone else is full of shit. We're not doing that. Yeah, and I kind of, you know, I kind of felt like that was—is that what the whole point of the film is? Is that we're meant to really like people who do sort of really boring, boring. drawings? Yeah, yeah. yeah, or object. It's more like objectively realist. Basic. Oh yeah. So he paints in a realistic style. Yeah, you know? that's it. He draws I think, and paints I think in the, a the point they're trying style. to make, or the point they're trying to make, is that um, he's just better at. at Traditional art. He's than got his, else yeah. Does. So there's a skill base there that skill, everyone else. Everyone else. Skills. Everyone else is getting to just like side, skip skip around the edges of this thing. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and he's deciding to go full full. So they do. They, they touch on this. They touch on the fact that Pablo Picasso was able to you know uh, paint perfectly if he wanted to, but he decided not to. He so, developed a, the Cubist style was exactly. his pioneering thing. Yeah. yeah. So. This is what the boy kind of seems, or this is what Jerome seems to do. He seems to be very, very good at painting, and then he, he seeks to find a style and move on. Whereas everyone he's at art school with is all doing this weird mental shit and are getting praised out for it, and it's thus very frustrating and and embittering. Because they're not arriving, Jerome. they're not arriving at it after years of, of exactly. finding a voice of that. They're yeah. just getting to just like think of the next thing that's a bit gimmicky and exactly yeah, yeah. instead of they're not doing the groundwork that that he yeah. perceives picasso did so yeah i mean we're all f- we're getting really wanky ourselves talking about all this <laughs> shit. well this is it like i i actually am like a former art student art student art student art student 
to Joel present, David Moore yeah. of the Hottie in the Night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's back. Guy. I'm so He's happy back, to see him. He's back in the saddle again. <laughs> I'm so happy to see the young man. Actually, I can't. He's got all the cliches. He's the guy, he's like the guy who sits down and he's like, "Why is it the same every year? We've got the blowhard, the kiss ass. We've yeah. got mom. You know, mom's youngest just flew the nest and she's ready to explore her creative side." <laughs> it's perfect. It's so well done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, this guy sits at a bar and tells Jerome about all these <laughs> uh, cliches that you see at art school. And it's so true. I mean, I'd, I've not been to art school, but, mm-hmm. like, you see them. You see all the stereotypes, all these people who think they're bloody unique, but they're actually just the same. And then, in fact, by recognising these stereotypes, you yourself become a stereotype. <laughs> which is the, the bitter <laughs> people who moans about art students. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. probably what I am. <laughs> yeah, no. um, well, I think a lot of people are in that, that camp. Yeah, I think um, every art student is, but every art student doesn't think they're part of that. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Every art student's like, yeah, everyone else is a student, <laughs> but really. That, it's it's true. You, you get talking to every, everyone who fits that bill, they'll say something along the lines of that typical hipster art school bill, <laughs> and you'll just yeah. be like, mm, yeah, I think I know what you mean. Ooh, and you're just like, oh, mm, wow. Emperor's you know. New Clothes bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's some perfect scenes uh, throughout this movie in which they're discussing the artworks of the class that Jerome's in, <laughs> and this absolute wank with curly hair. I don't know what car- You know who he is? Yeah. This is absolute twirl. And he says... And then he explains move. He explains like this artwork. So they have Jerome's art, which is like this really perfectly done uh, pencil drawing, which is boring but but perfectly executed. And then they've got this <laughs> terrible modern art bullet with all this scratchy <laughs> pen all over the place. And then he's like, Jerome's is just boring. And uh, and whoever this other lassie is, he's like, flowers piece. Yeah, flowers. Flowers piece is full of so much humanity and playfulness. It's yeah. got so much humanity and playfulness, and it's more about the process of drawing than the drawing itself and I was like yeah. oh I can't stand people like that just get out your own man mm-hmm. well, Wait, I'm getting the, angry <laughs> the um the other the other like like this film is is really written in sort of in a way that, that it, get, it does get around absolutely destroying the art world and art studying and stuff it, is it, it manages to shoot a hole in every last bit of it even down to the fact that the janitor thinks it's his building like yeah. I love that like, that's actually true if you <laughs> stay late in an art college yeah, some yeah. old <laughs> will come up to you and go get out of my building yeah. and it's true here in you know every different different sides this side of the world that side yeah, of the world yeah. every <laughs> Johnny thinks it's their building that's I, that, that's so mental right? but even down to that but like the shooting holes I love it like because obviously we've talked about the fact that there's a strangler at loose and yeah. Jerome like happily takes the fall for it at the end so that he can make his name as you know an artist behind bars yeah like Charles Madsen oh god yeah <laughs> what is it how would it was this guy a mysterious hunky guy who appears in class yeah dressed very strangely and he's not really he's, he's who's a, the weirdo he's a total straight man yeah 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 but he shows up with this painting that absolutely like it looks like <laughs> But no, it's the it's the coup. It's the coup. Like yeah. everyone's like, it's like you've never seen another painting before in your life. Yeah. It's like you've unlearned all the typical art school bullshit. Yeah, and this but... curly-haired guy delivers a line. I've written it down. Okay, I think I remember this one most yeah, of the time, but I've written it down just it, to man. make sure I get, don't get it wrong. Hit it goes a uh, so it's it's a painting. It's a yellow. It's a yellow background with, with a, a flat car <laughs> in sort of a grey color, and it's got kind of it like looks a, like a child did it. It's got like an aura as well. He's kind of given the car a sort of fuzzy aura mm. it's probably just because he accidentally did something first and then did it over it against this yellow and yeah he's just he's obviously yeah well we'll, we'll get into what, what is going on with this guy later but he's presented this painting mm. flat car against a yellow background 
And they're all like, you know, the teacher played by John Malkovich is like, you know, whose painting is this? It's, like, it's mine. It's like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> and everything's just like, everything just goes a bit weird. And it's like, what do we think of this piece, class? And they all start talking, you know. It's they all give it all the bullshit. Learn all the typical art school bullshit. It's amazing. It's really, it's really great. And then blowhard with the curly hair that you're talking about earlier. It has the singularity of outsider art, though the conscious rejections of spatial dynamics could only come from an intimacy with the conventions of picture making. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't every stand time, that guy. Every time someone posts a drawing on Facebook <laughs> that they've just piss-takenly drawn, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a joke. You should post that. No, I do. I call. I'm, I, I honestly, I go to that that scene and I make sure uh, I get the words exactly right. And then post and it, I post That's it right. as a comment. I start doing that too. And uh, I <laughs> see whether I see whether or not they pick up on whether I'm taking the absolute piss or not. <laughs> That is brilliant. No, no, no. Oh my goodness, that's just painfully. Oh, it's painful. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's awful. But I mean, that these these scenes are are what where the movie shines I think everything else is just annoying like so it's really bland the character tell me some bad things about this right, film so it's really the movie's bland as a whole visually bland yeah. music, musically bland compared to Ghost World with what we're talking the shadows and shit <laughs> there's none of it none there's of it there's nothing like that uh, the so I don't think any of the characters are likeable but that's not not so much a problem as it is none of the characters are very compelling right mm. so Jerome's just and I'm like alright cool uh, yeah. and then also uh, the big, the biggest rub is that the tonally the play, the things all over the place. Like yeah. so, you go from this. There's a moment that's played sort of straight, but also not where you literally see one of the stranglers getting strangled, or one of the girls getting strangled. Yeah, yeah, what a victim, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's the word, a victim. Nice, thanks, man. Good, good job, hitman. Yeah, I'm a hitman. I know, I know about victims. I see them. Victims. I see them through that. What do you call it? The the, the sight, scope. The, scope. the scope. Yeah, I, I, I spend so much time looking through them that I forgot what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, well, I mean, you've you've got like your own lingo as a. Yeah. You've got like your own like you don't call it a sight. I call it. I call it my tube. You call it your. I tube. look. I look through my tube. Yeah, yeah. You call it the tube. Yeah. The yeah, tube. Yeah. And you call bullets slugs because slugs, you're yeah. like you're that kind of guy, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh shit I want to actually mention before I get back into why Art School Confidential is not very good uh, I want to mention I saw a meme I was actually going to mention this earlier on uh, I saw a, a meme a meme a meme the other, the other day in which it was talking about how <laughs> there's a there, it was a tweet basically and it was a guy a Scottish tweet and it was saying that there was a janitor at uh, the, their school who looked like Danny DeVito so they called him Danny DeVito <laughs> Johnny DeVito Johnny DeVito <laughs> that's amazing isn't it I actually piss myself at that I had to still laugh at that I'm like walking walking on the street to work on that and I'm just like, like chuckling away to myself but nah tonally art, art cinema for art cinema tonally we're not we're not all over the map we we're, are we're totally bit. consistent yeah definitely no not. so art school confidential art school confidential is totally all over the place and it's, it doesn't yeah. quite know where to set its foot in terms of humour uh, and again not that you need to have one consistent brand of humour in your film uh, and I enjoy a lot of films that aren't you know consistently one type of humour but uh, just there's a there's a really uneasy blending of kind of everything you don't know whether yeah. or not this is an angry film or whether or not it's a kind of ambivalent movie or there's n- there's no sense that Daniel Klaus or Terry Zweigoff have any real idea what the exact message of their movie is like yeah. right? I don't know um, 
I actually think there's four minutes of deleted scenes. As, uh, you know, on the DVD, you can pl- like play it all as one four-minute thing. And mm-hmm. I actually think that it would have improved the film slightly to just throw them in there because yeah. it's well. not. it wouldn't actually have... I mean, obviously, you're talking about four minutes here, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it helps. I came away the first time thinking, so am I supposed to like Jerome? Or am I supposed to feel nah. this way? What, what, what? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, you really get the fact that they, they nail it, that, you know, Jerome is a psycho. Yeah. We're not making excuses for him. Yeah. Right? Also... Uh, right, we're going to we're going to have to get to the, the so this the honky guy who with his paintings that wow everyone and they're flat pieces of shit with no shading or that and like they're not yeah. like modern art but they're they're like actually yeah. like, it turns out they're all thinking that this is like some guy's creative genius subversive creative so, you know genius. yeah <laughs> turns out that he's like an undercover cop <laughs> who's pretending and he's just like he's as surprised as anyone else just like whoa I guess I'll do more of the same and get you know mm. he gets caught up in the fact that he's now doing well at class. Even though he's this undercover exactly. policeman. See, that's I think. <coughs> the, the, are you good? Sorry, yeah. I think the movie it overreaches in that regard, and it reminds me of I read the book Filth by Irvin Welsh, and I, the book is brilliant for the first two thirds, and then it gets caught up in its own bullshit, and it yeah. starts tying things together, and you start finding out that he was with a girl who had a gammy leg and and got struck by lightning on a golf course, and then his his uh, brother got drowned in coal while they went to a coal mine and stuff like that. Like it gets so in like engorged in its own shit it's boring and this is what this movie does so although I think the Strangler storyline and the policeman storyline add to the kind of satire of the whole thing mm-hmm. it gets to the point where I'm like I don't care about oh, yeah. yeah yeah you know what I mean throw your hands in the air sort I'm of like thing. I don't care about anything that's going on and it reminded yeah. me a lot of have you seen the Spike Lee film uh, Bamboozle yeah, I've seen bits of that, and then yeah. yeah, I turned it off because I found it exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good, but it's exhausting. Yeah. And it has a noble message, but it's exhausting. Same with this one. Noble message, well, kind of noble message. No, it is a noble message, but it's exhausting. Also, exhausting. it's a complex message because here's th- how you know, unpack it. There is there is such a thing as good art. I like art, and I like abstract art, and I like minimalist art, and I like art that sometimes you look at and you go, a kid could have painted that. Mm. So, but this, I like some of that sometimes. Right? This is yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So it's it's a really strange thing to then the, the question always exists yeah. that you can fake being a good artist then mm. you can pull the wool over someone's eyes quite easily because things exist out there that are good that are also easily uh, copied exactly it's easy right. to copy it so you can then fool someone into believe in your bull mm-hmm. that exists so that's a difficult thing see going back to ghost world again right enid finds a painting that faint painting that she finds in um Steve Buscemi's special room and you see that wonderful shadow that I was talking about you know yeah. when she finds it it's uh it's, so it's an old painting of an old logo uh, there's it's a, sto- a logo of, of like a of a store a brand of chicken restaurants yeah. which uh, used a racial slur as their uh, as their chicken so dish. it's a racist basically it's a racist painting that I don't think I don't think the franchise actually existed I think it, it was, did it, actually did it, exist. did it exist yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah it did actually exist Jesus. however the um so in the movie, uh, the the word gets changed to Cook's Chicken, but in real life, the, the branch is closed down and didn't become Cook's Chicken. So uh-huh. Seymour works for Cook's Chicken. Uh, so that's fictionalised. Yeah, yeah, that's fictionalised. Uh, I don't know whether or not it's actually taken from that anyway. But So Seymour works for Cook's Chicken as a manager, and he has this racist painting of the, of the company's past uh, in his house, and he kind of keeps it a secret. But Enid wants to use it to, to kind of pretend it's her own, 
she presents it as a found object art piece. Yeah, she pre- yeah she presents it as a as a as a artwork, and it's absolutely adored by uh, the teacher, but teacher. no one else in the class, obviously. You find it really offensive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but here's the thing, right? This is a, this is right. So again, this is another thing where actually. As much as I like the idea, and mm. as much as we all tend to ask for something that we don't really want, in mm. a way, Ghost World already did everything great about art. I, school, you know, yes, yeah. Art that's classes. Exactly right. Sorry, I'm spitting all over the place now as well. <laughs> art classes and what's great about every element of them was already done in like the few scenes from Ghost exactly. World. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's like an indulgence to then do a film like Art School Confidential. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would have been a nice short film. Yeah. Um, Ghost World was so good at this, right? Because you see this when when Enid's found object painting, this old racist logo, uh, gets kind of she, she basically wins a scholarship because of it. Yeah. And uh, but then public opinion of public piece opinion turns. You know, it around. She's not she's not there to defend it and all the rest of it and stuff like that when uh, to explain her piece. And mm. there's a great line where some women you get the sense that other people have been picking on this. You know, everyone knows that this woman's like a. They've got the same negative opinion as us, yeah, this yeah. teacher. You know, it's like, you know, what is it? When she says, we should be promoting censorship and... No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we should be promoting discussion instead of censorship. And it's like, censorship? Oh, that is a big word for you sort of thing, you know. Just like, you know, totally like undermining this this crazy woman that mm. teaches an art class, you know. Um, uh, so, yeah, so Enid's thing backfires... Uh, she's not there to defend it. She doesn't get her scholarship, but mm-hmm. she's she she went she did well up to a point by presenting this thing as an art piece, as a found object art piece. Yeah, again, kind of my, proving that she yeah. can do well in her own terms, right? Well, my question is: was that actually an earnest uh, endeavor by Enid, or was she just trying to roast? It was the, like a cynical. She yeah. was roasting the <laughs> yeah. class. She's, she was, but it was like a kind of cynical, like. A big fuck you, and then she kind of sees for a minute that this big fuck you could work for her. Could work for her, but then it doesn't. It doesn't. She's not earnestly in on that, really. That's not. That's not her work. But she's not earnestly in on anything. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, it's a complex weave of things that's going on there, right? Because because we've we've been slagging off the teacher, but Mm. did you not find that when she tells Enid? I don't know what to say. I think it's a remarkable achievement. Did you not at least think, well, at least she's got integrity in mm. terms of the framework of her own? Perhaps. No? You no. didn't even think good I, I didn't. I actually did. I actually thought, well, at least she's, she, she holds her story straight to the end in her head there, you know? Yeah. She knows what she believes Well, these in. people do. <laughs> you know what I mean? These people do, definitely. Those people. Those <laughs> evil folks, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those, those skanky, what, what do you, incest burning <laughs> candle? <laughs> incest? Incest. <laughs> Incest candles. Incense. Mmm, smells like my sister. (laughs) No, I'm dying. I'm dying now. Here, what's that? What's that incest candle smell like? Oh, it's jasmine. Oh, cool. I really love jasmine. No, no, my sister Sister jasmine. Sister jasmine, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm actually going to cough up a lung now. Please, don't. (coughs) See if you, like, take ill and I have to phone an ambulance. Yes, uh, incest candles. Incest candles. Should we, should we rename the episode? <laughs> I don't think so, no. Is art school a waste of time? It's a stinker. It's a stinker. You, you think it's a stinker. This movie is a stinker. It's not, it's just, mm. I can't imagine any general audience liking this at all. And as, as, as you said, for the reasons you've said, That's, uh, yeah. it's niche. So I it's agree like with, so niche. I agree with you, but I'm, I'm in the niche. And yeah. I wasn't even in the niche to begin with. I, <laughs> the second time I watched it, I was like, you know what, I get it now. You're allowed 
to without signposting anything, mm. you're allowed to just have mixed feelings about everyone and 100%. everything in the film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you don't have to feel like it's a big message about you know realistic art versus abstract yeah. art. Well, I think but, this is know. interesting because Ghost World is a movie that I had heard about when I was in high school. Uh, I hadn't seen until you know this week, um, and it was actually it was a lassie I was good pals with in high school who um, was all about this film, but I don't actually think that you could really appreciate the movie in high school because the movie is about the kind of sludge you seep into out of high school yeah you're outside of this system and you're kind of stuck like oh (laughs) what next like you don't really have that to the same degree in high school so maybe it was just kind of an aesthetic appreciation or something like that yeah but certainly i know that with art school confidential i couldn't watch the film again very soon maybe i'll watch it years years down the line Mm -hmm. but I, i couldn't watch it you know. What did you think of the character that Jim Broadbent plays called Jimmy? Brilliant! <laughs> I liked him so much. So Jim Broadbent, who is Horace Slughorn in the Harry Potter movies, he makes an appearance in this. He needs to be in more stuff. Is he? Has he got like a secret cache of films that I haven't, or cache of films? I don't that think. I, I don't think so. No, I think. Because what? What does he do? It's really random that he's in this. Actually, he's yeah. a very, he's a very un-American actor. Obviously, yeah. he's, he's British for a start. He's but, brilliant. But I he's not that. like the sort of British guy that you expect to just show up in American films all yeah. the time. What, uh, so what's he been in? What's his what's his thing, other than Harry Potter? I, I Do don't know. know. Jeb Robbins, great. Well, he was in he was in Iris. He he was a uh, uh, there was a him and Judy Dench play the older version of Kate Winslet and some other guy right. about Iris, a writer. All right. You know, he's he's just. I th- so I, oh, you know what? Like shit. Have you seen Mike Lee films? Mike Lee. Mike Lee. Not Spike Lee. Mike Lee. L. Right. Mike Lee. L-E-I-G-H I think that's the spelling Oh or So L- Lee yeah, Mike Lee But it's Lee? with a G-H at the okay. end Sort of thing He's in a lot of Mike Lee films Right okay well, And Mike Lee's uh, uh, What do you call it It's similar to Ken Loach Right See cause Social I really, realist sort right. of thing Yeah because I So for example There's a Ken Loach movie Called Poor Cow Which is mm-hmm. Not really very similar To any of these Either of these movies at all But It's got A Donovan soundtrack my boy Donovan. Donovan Leach. Yeah, yeah. And so the music in that movie just transcends like an otherwise kind of, not dull subject matter, but but kind of, it's not going to be entertaining in, in the same way that, uh, you know, The Incredibles 2 is. You know what I mean? It's it's going to be... Poor Cow's got a great... like. Uh, it's a, so good. There's a guy called John Binden that's in it. Mm. And uh, he has real, his true to life story. Yeah, he was a gangster. Yeah, yeah. So John Binden if they, plays... If they, if, they, if they tried to make a film of that, Someone would knock on the door and say, "Forget it." Yeah, like, they'd dude. break your legs for trying to like because yeah. he's like tied in with like one of the, the, yeah, the English... family and stuff yeah, like that. Dude. Yeah, no, John oh, Binden was an interesting guy. He, I think he's dead now. But if you read the Wikipedia page on John Binden, you'll be laughing by the bottom of it because it's, it's unbelievable. hilarious. It's unbelievable. Like he actually got like the medal of like courage or honor or something mm. like that. Yeah, for saving someone from the river, but then he later boasted that he was the one that threw him in there in the first place. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, that movie, Poor Cow. You need to watch Poor Cow. Poor Cow. Uh, uh, but no, so. So Jim Broadbent's got a Mike Lee thing. And films like Another Year and Topsy Turvy by Mike Lee. Mm. Jim Broadbent's heavily right. in there. Okay, okay. He was, in, he was in that the film version of Filth as well, wasn't he? he was the, so he is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's kind of all over the place. But American films, he doesn't do a lot of them. And when I, I, I remember him being interviewed. Uh, head of Art School Confidential being released, mm. and he was like, "Well, the next thing I'm doing is Art School Confidential with Terry Zweigoff and 
Daniel Klaus. And I was like, whoa! And it was like, this. yeah, he said that, you know, I, I just love that whole thing of adult cartoons and cartoons, graphic novels mm. and stuff. So I just want to be a part of anything that's to do with that because it's, it's just so interesting. Right. So interesting to me is what he said. Well, why isn't you like Iron Man or something? <laughs> <laughs> adult cartoons. Jim Broadbent being Iron Man. Um, and yeah, no, I think that he plays a brilliant character. Uh, he plays the guy... He, in a way, it's almost like... I'm not even sure if you're meant to be convinced that there's too many people in the world like Jimmy. But mm. Jimmy is the sort of little guy that lives inside your head mm. if you feel like a failure. Right. That comes out at three in the morning when you're drinking hard or whatever. Yeah, yeah but that's his life. <laughs> so he's he's just meant to be like a little uh, expressionistic kind of uh, signpost yeah. of that... And he disappears... Part, that one part of your brain that feels that way yeah. you know, from time to time. And he disappears in a kind of plume of smoke at the end of the movie. <laughs> well, he, he burns to death. Or Spoiler so alert! He's the Strathmore Strangler. Well, it's suggested that he's the Strathmore Strangler. <laughs> Paintings have got the people's belongings yeah, pasted in there. Yeah, but it could be that he turns up to the... Uh, crime scenes of the Strathmore Strangler takes a photo and then takes something from the scene and then uses them in his paintings how would he how would he be the one guy that can always find the, the victim first so he's probably the Strathmore he's Strangler he's the killer so he's he's a he's a he's an art is he an art student as well he's a Jimmy Jimmy student. Jimmy went to Strathmore too and That's it's this right. thing of like just look at me now yeah. you know he's like looking at Jerome in this kind of you know like you know, he lives in a dingy whole <laughs> flat and he's bitter as hell <laughs> and this this could be you know he actually says it just think, Jerome, one day this could all be yours. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just this brilliant moment of like, right, so now we're, in a way, the stakes are heightened because Jerome already knows that only one in 100 of you will make it and it all pretty much pins on getting your show at Bo- this Broadway Bob's, which is played by Steve Buscemi as well, by the way. He's the owner of this cafe co- uh, come art gallery place that puts on a show of whoever wins a prize. Yeah. Uh, and then that one person, one in a hundred, one of every academic year at Strathmore actually gets a career in art. So in a way, Jerome's pretty much right to pin it all on that. Mm. That's why he's there, you know, and you know, he gets obsessed with it. He gets obsessed with the female mo- the model that he's in love with. That's Sophia Miles' character, mm. who's boring as fuck, by the way. Like, yeah, a person, not a very Completely vacuous person. Mm. You know, he's totally projecting onto her. Well, I think, yeah, I think you're meant to be thinking that. Yeah, you're meant yeah. to know that as yeah. well, though. That's another thing you're meant to yeah, know. Yeah, you're meant uh, to. Um, yeah um, back to Jimmy. Jimmy is like so. <laughs> so we've got we've got this the heightened stakes of like not only does he have to win this art prize thing to be the one in one hundred, but mm. he's also got the fact that he doesn't want to sink all the way down to Jimmy. Exactly. Like, this yeah. is this could be your future as well. It's like fucking hell. It's like you know, and there's this kind of a zero sum game that kind yeah. of is his, coming his heaven, together. His in heaven head. is Pablo Picasso. His hell is, is his, Jimmy. Yeah. So Jimmy's yeah. like you know the character played by that Joel David Moore drags drags. I don't know how he's. He knows about everything. He's he's dropped out every year and started a new thing. <laughs> this is his thing. He says that he st- yeah, every year he drops out and starts a new thing so that he never has to decide what to do with his life. So of <laughs> course how old he is or how long he's and how been. how much debt he's in. How, yeah, how long he's been hanging around. Joel David Murray. So he knows this guy Jimmy and he decides won't it be fun to like show uh, Jerome Jimmy one night. Let's go and see him tonight. You know, Has to, has to buzz at the door and sh- describe what type of alcohol he's brought to let get let into the building buzz me in i've got you know some 40 percent strong stuff or whatever he's like mm. you know it's like boys <laughs> i'm afraid you've interrupted me during one of my shows <laughs> you know, it's just like jimmy's amazing um yeah so 
Jimmy was a Strathmore, Strathmore graduate too. Oh, okay. Just look at me now. Uh, and it's like, you know, so you want to be a great artist, Jerome? That's terrific. Uh, so tell me, are you an exceptionally good artist when it comes to fellatio? Uh, are you extremely good at <laughs> sucking? And all that? And I've written this one down as well because I think it's so brilliant. <clears throat> at one point he says, but you really need to take some lessons in sucking <laughs> and licking. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you might find yourself rotting away in some shit hole, postponing suicide for the slim chance that you might one day possibly see some glorious plague or pestilence bring horrible suffering to your hateful species. <laughs> and then Jerome kind of like laughs kind of uncomfortably at this, and he just yells. This is like the tonal weirdness that you're talking about, yeah. where you're just like, wait a minute, whoa. Whoa, I'm not sure how like laugh out loud funny this is. Mm. It seems dangerous at times, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like you've got this Jim Broadbent like, really acting very well, very deep and convincing, mm. and you know the right balance of like sort of cartoonish as well. Actually, mm. you really do get the sense that he kind of gets what a cartoon is, what an adult cartoon is, and mm. he's embodying that quite perfectly. Definitely. Uh, and he just he just yells at Jerome for laughing at this, you know, horrible sh- uh, screed that he's just gone into. And he's like, laugh away, laughing boy. I will stomp your guts till they shit out your ass. I will bury you alive and on your grave. And his eyes are just like, you know, mm. uh, yeah. Um, these are the things. I really feel like this film was made just to get that line in a movie. Right, so... From Daniel Klaus's perspective. This is what like, I love yeah. about bad movies, right? So, yeah. are, are movies that are generally not considered very well. And it applies to any kind of <laughs> art, really, right? So... People uh, will look at something like uh, Rotten Tomatoes for films or Metacritic for you know music, games, all that stuff, and they'll only consume the very, very, very best reviewed uh, arts of, of each medium, right? And and the result is is that they, they lose out on stuff that's actually interesting and bad stuff. So there's amazing tracks stuck in <coughs> albums, right? Mm-hmm. And there's amazing scenes stuck in <coughs> movies, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, this is you know a case in point. This movie has some really strong scenes in it. But as a whole, it just doesn't quite hold together. Doesn't mean it's not worth your time, though. I think <laughs> I think most movies are worth a watch once, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's what that's kind of philosophy of the whole podcast, really, isn't it? Just kind of finding the <clears throat> in good movies and, you know, talking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's like, as a Tom Waits fan, uh, you could ask me, what what is the best Tom Waits album? Mm. And I would be tempted to say Rain Dogs. Mm. I'd be tempted to say a few things, but Rain Dogs, right? Uh if you ask me what album do I listen to all the time, mm. it's Bone Machine. Right. But I'm not tempted to tell someone that Bone Machine's the best album by Tom Waits. Exactly. There's something interesting about that album for yeah. me. Yeah, no, 100%. You could say that about yeah. like anything Fleetwood yeah. Max ever released. Yeah. You know, Rumours is their best album, but they've got some bangers on other albums. Yeah, yeah no, completely right. Yeah. So that, that's, that's always a frustration with me when people are like, eh, it's a rubbish movie. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, watch the opening. Or, yeah, but watch this bit. Or, mm. I don't know. Um... Yeah. But I, this, so this movie, I think, could have done, or rather, Ghost World and Art School Confidential. For me, they could have done with more scenes that made me want to watch the movie again and again and again. Like, I loved Ghost World. I, well, I didn't love it. I thought it was really good. Uh, but I could have done with another, like, an absolute clincher, like, like the opening. Because the opening is just so good. It's it just so awesome. I was what did you so think, in- then? Did, were you, were you, did you get to a point when uh, it got to the end of the opening credits? Were you just thinking, Simon's... <laughs> Told us to watch a good film for this podcast. <laughs> no, what is he no, doing? No. I, I knew, I knew, I, I knew enough about Ghost World. I knew it was quite critically acclaimed, and I knew it was a bit of a cult film. But, <laughs> um, but, I, but then I think there's obviously something interesting to be said about it for sure. Uh, and then obviously it's a perfect counterpoint to 
Dark School Confidential, yeah. which is which is born clearly born from Ghost World, but goes in a completely dodgy direction. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we didn't completely betray the point of the podcast. No, I don't think so. No. 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 Um, yeah. No, I think it's fine. I think we've managed to get away with that one. Yeah. Few, few. <laughs> I gratuitously managed to thrust a good film that that I just like, and I wanted to talk about my favourite time at the cinema. Well, these movies do a really good job of uh, getting to the heart of the kind of the psyche that underpins people who go to who do anything really so like mm. this kind of idea certainly in Art School Confidential you see this uh, play out in everyone where they all think they've got something worthwhile to say and they all think that they're going to be the one who gets the one in a hundred chance right Yeah. and I think that does underpin any kind of big risky decision that anyone takes like you know I'll, I'll study this because I'm going to be the one person who succeeds in this you know mm-hmm. uh, and the movie uh Mistress America by Noah Baumbach mm-hmm. does this as well where the main character played by Lola Kirk Lola Kirk Lola Kirk I don't know I can't remember her name but I know I've got her face just yeah. like right there she's, I can see she's who a she baby is. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, she's a babe <laughs> she's nice she's um, a baby <laughs> baby baby right, she, she talks about in, in that movie she says um, do you ever think that you're uh, do you ever know that you're not? it's something to do with being not as smart as everyone else, but then thinking that you're smarter than everyone else, right? And I was like, I was, I was watching this movie, and I was like, damn, like that's just so true to life, like where you just feel like everyone else is <laughs> stupid, but really everyone feels that way, right? Mm-hmm. Or I, there comes moments of despair where you're just like, why can't everyone be like me, or, or you know that kind of thing? Maybe I'm just projecting super hard, but certainly yeah. I connected very well with that with that part of the movie. Yeah, Mr. I mean, America, I, that's a good film. Yeah, yeah. Mr. America's good. I like. Sweet. Uh, was that, so was that Noah Bombarch as well? That's Noah Bombarch as well, and um, it has Bombard, a, it has a uh, OMD inspired oh, soundtrack. That f- song is awesome. What yeah. is it called? Again? Souvenir. Souvenir. That's great. I love that movie. Is, so that movie for the first like probably the first half is absolutely phenomenal but then it, it does tail off yeah but, um, the, honestly like the, that um, the experience that Lola Kirk's character has at university because she doesn't study art but she's just at uni that was exactly my experience of university when I when I first started mm-hmm. like um, 100% like being in halls and just kind of being weirdly uh, separate from it all I don't know but it was so perfect that movie is mwah, but uh, obviously I don't know meme drone I can't believe 
that the piece of shit is me. I couldn't see that the piece of shit was me. Anyway, I think we're done. I think we're done, yeah. I think that we're young, dumb, and full of... I love kombucha number one.